This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two Peoples Radio. G'day and welcome to Metal to Metal, Metal Heads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to talk to Anton from the band Beast in Black and we also talked to Peter Tatgren from the band Hypocrisy. So um, we have both those interviews on the show this week. The Anton sh- interview was quite long, so we've had to split that into two sections. I always like a good long interview. They always give us all sorts of goodies. So um, for the first section, um, which is about 15 minutes for the first section, we're going to be playing uh, first off their latest single, One Night in Tokyo. Uh, then we'll have the interview, and then we'll have the uh, single that they released just before that for this newest album, Moonlight Rendezvous. But without further ado, we're going to have the first track, One Night in Tokyo, before we kick into the interview.
they're talking with Anton from the band A Beast in Black. They're about to release their newest album on October the 29th, so just under a month away now. Um, Dark Connection. How are you going today, Anton? Hello. How are you there? Uh, very good. And yourself? Yeah, also all good. Thanks. Excellent. So it's been busy for you the, the last few weeks. You've been um, getting uh, stuff all ready for this newest album? Uh, well, what do you mean, getting what? Sorry. Oh, well, today we've um, released the, the latest video, One Night in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So could you tell us a little bit about that and um, the, the making of that video? Well, uh it was a friend of mine who I asked, and Patrick, also the director of the first single. Three of us, we just sat down and started to talk about the story uh, that could fit to this. And we got really excited about it and just wrote all the ideas that we had in mind. And in the end, when the anime animation started, uh, we had to kind of remove quite a lot of ideas because there was uh, not enough time, for example, for all the things, because the song itself is only three minutes, three minutes long. <laughs> it's quite a difficult thing to, like, everything there. But still, I think it turned out quite nice and we are happy about it. And it was something we've never done before, like that kind of animation music video and it's also the first video music video where there's the beast character itself even though it's drawn not like live action but still that's the kind of debut for that mascot that we have. excellent so th this is the second video that you guys have released like i said um and the first one was um of course moonlight rendezvous and that, that was quite a different one i mean but one of the magical things about that you guys have done and that, that i've enjoyed so far is i mean the, the stories that you tell in, in the videos and everything and i mean it's not just a, a live action a, a live concert video or anything like that i mean there's, there's a whole story to it i mean that must be a fun part of the process of going from writing a song to then creating this uh, video and image and all that sort of the story to go along with it yeah absolutely i i do enjoy that part the most the creative part you know the composing of course that's the best thing ever but then the story writing for the videos that's uh, challenging but it's challenging only in a good way creative challenges are are like kind of the fuel for the inspiration and every time we try to do something differently that like like with this one night in Tokyo video it was anim animation pixel animation and also mm -hmm. the moonlight rendezvous was the biggest video we've done so far it, it took almost one and a half years to make it we were making it simultaneously while the album was being uh, recorded and edited and mixed so it was kind of a difficult process to kind of handle many things at the same time but we had great team there and like huge thanks to Katri Ilona Kopponen the director writer of Moonlight Rendezvous so we couldn't have made it without her and she's actually actually been 
part of our team since the very beginning. Like she's been working behind the scenes for all the official music videos that we have. So, but now we thought that, hey, do you want to direct a video for us? And she jumped right in and that was her first actual debut Moonlight Rendezvous. So quite, quite a nice start for it. <laughs> it's an awesome start, really. I mean, dude, it's, it's an absolutely killer video, eh? In all sorts of, in all ways. I mean, and it just looked like you guys were having fun as well, you know? I mean, it must have been cool having the fight scenes and all that. Yeah, it's, it was something like outside our comfort zone, but that's kind <laughs> of, that's what makes it fun and you learn more about yourself as well when you go outside your comfort zone. That that's what we'll keep on doing, like going to new areas and like expanding the beast universe, so to speak. Oh, dude! I mean, like I've been lucky enough to have a listen to the whole album today, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And that's one of the things I noticed is that I mean, you cover so much. I mean, it's like a lot of bands sort of stick to a formula sound or something like that. But yeah, you know, I mean, each song is so different, but you also have I mean, Yanni and his vocals, uh, the contrast between tracks. I mean, dude, you, you guys have seemed to have really stretched yourselves this time. Well, you know, it, it, it's a natural process, the whole album making. But first, when the songs are uh, done as, as complete as possible, and the recording process is uh, much easier when all the arrangements and nuances are as complete as possible in the first form of the songs. And then with Yannis, it's easy in the studio because we see eye to eye like 99.9% of the time. We don't have to always explain to each other like what is good or what is bad in certain vocal take. We both hear the same things and, and that makes it great. And he, he is not just a, like a singer, but interpreter, he understands how important it is to really interpret the melody, give the drama for the melody, not just sing it flatly through. That would be like boring. So, yeah. yeah. Excellent. So, um, going back to uh, kind of tying it back into the videos, but uh, when you go into writing a song or anything like that, do you ever sort of have um, like the image of um, the song and, the, and all that in your head, but also have a sort of a um, like it playing as a video in your head. I mean, th- th- is it all collide sometimes as sort of one unit, or is it the, the whole idea of the music come to you? Does it come as like little melodies here and there and and that sort of thing? I mean, how does the music come to you? It's there is no system. It's uh, different every time, you know. To trigger inspiration or idea is something that it's hard to explain. You know, I can take a walk outside or just hear a word or wake up from a sleep or hear something interesting uh, in the TV, like some soundtrack stuff or in the radio or while I'm driving or when I just sit down with a empty mind and then I just start writing something then it suddenly kind of opens the doors and the musical flood begins and it 
doesn't matter which instrument there's no formula it can be a just a beat like a dr drum pattern or a keyboard riff guitar riff vocal melody verse melody or a chorus melody or just a lyrical line then i kind of sing the line like with different variations like so it sounds natural and all that so that's how the songs are born but uh, sometimes it can be a kind of a picture or image or a story part from a book that I've written, uh, read, sorry. And, but usually it's always the music first and then come the lyrics. But, but even before the lyrics, I knew that the themes are mostly going to be cyberpunk oriented on the third album. So uh, overall kind of ideology is there, but not the details like so. Excellent. I was going to ask you a little bit about the themes and, and, and lyrical content for this newest album and, and some of those inspirations because, I mean, I, I read about the um, that, that you sort of um, looked at one point to, to some of those old the music game music from you know way back in the 80s and all that sort of stuff, and, and you can hear some of that sort of stuff come through in, in the music. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about some of those themes and, and the lyrical content that you use for this album? Well, basically, songwriting and lyric writing, it's a sum of all the influences and inspirations throughout one's life. So I, I don't really know like where exactly something comes from, but I know that, like for example, the song Moonlight Rendezvous, the story is inspired uh by Armitage the Third, it's a cyberpunk anime from 1995, and Battle Angel Alita, also cyberpunk anime from the 90s, and the film Blade Runner. So the story is based on that, but like the music musical side of things, you know, it's all about the stuff that's in your subconscious when you start writing and it just happens. And yeah difficult to explain all that. It's kind of a organized chaos, this whole creative process. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, well, I mean, when it all sort of um, comes together, it comes together pretty awesomely, man. So, you know, um, you know, all that organized, all that chaos, you know, it works out at the end. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about the writing and recording process and how different it would have been this time around? I mean, how did COVID affect it and all that sort of thing? Because you'd done 2019 was your last album and that tour, you probably would have, hopefully you got a tour in before COVID hit you. Um, you know, could you tell us a little bit about what's been happening since then and how hard, whether it was difficult for you or not? Well, let's put it this way. If it wasn't for the pandemic, we wouldn't be doing this interview because the album wouldn't have seen the light of day until, I don't know, 2023 or something. So actually it was kind of a uh, good uh, thing for from album making perspective. We got the time to make it. We have our own studio and uh, if we would have toured heavily 2020 and 2021, there wouldn't wouldn't have been time to make this album. So we just uh, started the recordings in, in the summer of 2020. And it lasted like for one year. You know, the editing, the producing, the mixing, the mastering, 
while making also the music video and working on the promo pictures and so forth and so forth and lots of stuff going, going at the same time. So it's not like we're spending one year just on the album. It's the whole package that we work on for that year and more than a year. So, yeah, it's how it went. It, COVID made this album possible. But anyway, we are not dedicating, dedicating this album to COVID, nonetheless. Oh, that's right. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I do understand this album does have a dedication um, to somebody that uh, that was uh, important for the a lot of what it goes on with Beast in Black. Yeah. Yeah, Kentaro Miura, she, uh, he is the was the author of Berserk, the manga and anime, and we've had songs about Berserk on every album. And the least we could do is to dedicate this album to him. You know, his death occurred uh, while we were already mixing the album. So if if things were different time-wise, if the album was still being written and he died, probably there would have been more songs based on Berserk on this album. So, but now there's three songs based on Berserk on this new album, and it's dedicated to him, the whole album. So that was the least we could do. And those songs are Dark New World to the Last Drop of Blood and Broken Survivors. Excellent. So, um, I don't know if this is something. Did you have a, a, a relationship with him in the sense that, I mean, did you guys talk or anything? Was he aware of what you guys did for... Uh, with um, Berserk and, and, and the stories and, and the music? Uh, I don't know if he was aware of us, but that would have been nice if that's the case. It's always yeah. nice when you know that someone that you admire recognizes your work, which is based on his work. So it, it's always nice. But I don't know, and now we will never know. But we will keep writing songs, making music, uh, based on his life's work, as long as it well, that's inspires. It. Well, that, that, that's pretty magical, because it also keeps him alive as well. So, you know, in a way, you know, he's not dead because of what you and other people are able to carry on his name through yeah. the music and through his art. Yeah. Indeed, that's the case. Oh, mate, that's absolutely magic. So, um...
support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and uh, the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two Peoples Radio. Okay, for this section we're going to carry on with the interview we have with Anton. Uh, we're now going to kick off the section though first with the track, the one that kicked it all off for them uh, with the title track for their first album, Berserker, uh, the track Beast in Black, and then we'll get into the second part of the interview. <laughs> Let's go. 
Back to the album, um, what would you say is your um, favourite song or the song that you're most proud of? Uh, there is none. I never, I'm never able to pick one favourite. It's like you cannot, <laughs> choose, you cannot choose your favourite child from the family. I know it sounds like a cliche, but that's how it is. It's just a fact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, that, that's awesome, man. I mean, and that's it. I mean, for a lot of people that I've talked to, well, some people that I've talked to recently, they've, they've had to sit on an album um, and, and wait for it to be released for a certain period of time. And, and a lot, quite often with that, that, that it's given them a, a little bit of time away and, it, and it's helped them in that process because quite often it's like, you know, you've just re- finished recording the album and you've got to, you're releasing it and you're so caught up and still in that process of the recording and writing and all that you know you don't get that time away i mean and it must give you a different view of that material i don't know songwriting it it's always the same you know there's never a rush with writing the songs because that's the easiest and most fun part of the whole process you know to me song can be written like in an instant in a day or a week it, it, it's fun. So the actual work, the time-consuming part of things is exactly the recording, editing, producing, and especially mixing and then the mastering. And since we have our own studio, that kind of, it's a double-edged sword. The more you can spend time on it, the more difficult it becomes to let go of it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's how it was this time. So we cannot say that we didn't have enough time, but somehow it still felt like there's a uh, hurry, sense of rush. <laughs> but that, but I have to say that, you know, there are many technical things along the way which, like, halted the process for quite uh, a huge amount of time. You know, like updating the whole system, like, and taking the computer to repair, and it's there for like one or one and a half months and then the music video and suddenly you notice that hey like two or three months you weren't really that active in actual producing or like editing or recording because of the technical things and the music video stuff and all that stuff that happened at the same time so well it was a learning experience anyway every album is and this time we learned again something new how to like refine our methods of working <laughs> well that's it i mean like you know you, each album you seem to be progressing and all these different little hats that you seem to be putting on and everything i mean uh, with the the one night in tokyo writing the video and all that sort of stuff you know um all these things you know i mean it must, must be a cool learning process uh, and you know getting to extend yourself that just that little bit more each time yeah exactly you know, that's the that's the best thing, you know, the creative part, it's keeping the soul and spirit like alive and like hungry. You know, as long as we uh, enjoy this, uh, we, we'll keep doing it and keep challenging ourselves with these new things. Oh, mate, that's fantastic. Now, so beside the, uh, besides the 11 tracks that you have on the album, you've also got two covers at the end of it, um, and both quite contrasting in the sense that you've got one that's a Man of War track and one that's a Michael Jackson track. I mean, dude, I mean, you nailed them both. They're, they're absolutely killer tracks. I mean, what, how, how did you go about deciding which tracks you would cover? 
Uh, it just was like this moment when you instantly know that, hey, yes, like with Man of War Song, I think Yannis was the first one who said out loud that, hey, we should cover this. And I thought about it and instantly I like, all oh, right. Yeah, I, I imagined it as a Beast in Black version, like right away. And he could imagine it. And so it was easy as that, simply because it's a good song that has the features that are easy to adapt to a Beast in Black style. And same thing with Michael Jackson song. You know, there's a simple, catchy chorus, straightforward song, great melodies all over the song. I mean, and there's a lot of room also to uh, fill, like with the instrumentations. The original, mm -hmm. quite uh, minimalistic. There's percussions uh, and vocals mostly. There's a little bit of guitar and some keyboards there, but they are not so in such a huge role there. So we added more of that stuff, like guitars and keyboards, because the, there was the room for that. But we stayed loyal to the things that made the song what it is. You know, we tried to keep everything that is important in our opinion. Like all the vocal twists and nuances in melody and the rhythm and even the instrumentation, we tried to keep the things that we felt that the song is made of and then just add our own stuff if we feel that it's necessary. And usually we feel that there's some like room to add that extra Beast in Black spice into it. So. <laughs> oh, mate, well, you nailed it, man. And as a fan of the original, I just thought it was it was killer and you, you added to it uh, wonderfully. It was, it was absolutely fantastic, mate. So, uh, it was a pleasure. Um, so are you guys going to be able to get to do a release show for this album? And are you going to be able to get out on tour? I know it's pretty hard at the moment with... I mean, over and with all the COVID and everything, I mean, are you guys able to get anything anywhere out there? Well, let's see. We're constantly following the situation. How is it going to turn out uh, regarding this European tour that's already booked for the end of this year? Every day there's some changes regarding the situation. It seems like no one, no one in the you know, not, none of the promoters or the management or label, no one can say for sure like what will happen and what to do. But it's really difficult to make the tours now. But it, I believe eventually things will get solved and the world will adapt to this situation and find solutions to deal with the COVID better and better. And that's when the actual active touring will happen. And we hope to tour as much as possible to go to the territories where we haven't been before. And maybe it will be a three or four years long touring period because we really want to squeeze everything out of this album, like to not to do just some kind of a one year tour here and there, but really like make it as massively as possible. Oh, that'd be epic. Absolutely killer. So, um... What are your thoughts on the the changing face of the music industry in, in this sort of like COVID times where people have, bands and, and musicians have had to adapt, you know, I mean, it must be quite difficult, you know, going from uh, putting the usual album cycle, go out to a album cycle tour, you know, and, and not be able to do that. I mean, people are doing playthroughs, streaming shows, all these different things. So, I mean, 
you have to be creative now. Well, creative is exactly what is kind of what we love. You know, when the, let's say if there's no tours for the next five years, like personally for me, that's not a problem. You know, I, I would just write and write and like plan and create this with this with the band we would create this content you know videos stories and maybe standalone singles and lyric videos and compose a couple of albums meanwhile and record it in our studio so you know that's what you gotta do if you're a band you can go on the road don't just sit and do nothing just be creative create uh something that you think is worth sharing with the world and when the time comes and it will come eventually when the time comes, you just share it uh, properly. Like, then you just, okay, make a plan with the label, with the promoters, with everyone who is connected to you, and then start like working on that, on the marketing and promoting it. But before that, just be creative and do what you do best. And that is what we like always do. Like, there's never a single boring day in our lives, at least. Personally, I've never experienced a boring day in my life since I got, you know, into music. It's just endlessly like inspiring and like give it gives energy and a purpose to wake up always on the next day. You know, when you have this feeling. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Okay, I've uh, got to let you go, but I've got one last question for you before we let you go. Um, and yeah. you kind of covered it a little bit in that last one, but words of advice for young musicians? Mm, learn your instrument like, or vocal, if that's your instrument. So learn it really well. And uh, how I did it, I started to write songs at the same time while I was practicing guitar playing. So I guess the best advice from my side would be that, you know, because songwriting is something where you actually adapt your skills. Like into. there's no point in being a great musician or singer if there's no song where to like connect it to. So that's my advice. Or if you are not interested in songwriting, find the team with which you can create songs together and find a producer or, or one musician who could kind of do one part of that job and you do your part. It's all about finding the right team. So practice your skills and like find the right team and try to compose music at the same time. And be curious. That's also important because that's how you get inspired when you observe things like carefully you will find more and more inspiration. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's, that's absolutely brilliant advice.
Metalatu Metal Metalheads Radio, proudly brought to you by NPR Metalatu People's Radio. fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metal Heads Radio. 
local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Manawatu People's Radio. And for this section, we were lucky enough to talk to Peter Tatgren from the band Hypocrisy. Uh, so we're going to be playing off their first single, Chemical Whore, uh, to start with. Then we'll have the interview, and then we will finish with their latest single, Dead World.
G'day, we're talking with Peter Tagtron, I hope I sp- uh, pronounced that correctly, from the band Hypocrisy. They're about to release their newest, uh, newest album, Worship, on the 26th of November, not too far away now. How are you going today, Peter? I'm good, how are you? Very good, thank you. So, it's been eight years since you guys have released anything. What have you guys been up to? I, know, I can imagine it's been a very, very busy eight years for you. Yeah, I mean, concerning hypocrisy over the last eight years, we've been up and down and everywhere in the world, you know. We even finally made it to Australia in 2019, I think, or 2018, I can't remember, for the first time. So, I mean, we did a lot of European tours uh, since the last album. We did a a few American tours. We did uh, Japan. We did Australia. We did Russia. We did... A lot of shit. So I guess we were just really tired of each other. And plus, at the same time, I had Pain, new album, two Lindemann albums, and touring with both bands. So time flies when you're busy. <laughs> well, that's it. You're always a very, very busy man. I mean, I look at all the output that you have, man, and it's just insane. I don't know how you have the time for it. But anyway... Could you tell us a little bit about the journey to this newest album? I mean, when did it start? I mean, was this, I mean, COVID uh, appeared two years ago. How far ahead before that was did this journey for this album start? Uh, I don't know exactly, but I felt I didn't have any sparks, you know, to start. You always have have to have this spark to start something, you know, whether it's a pain album, Lindemann or Hypocrisy or whatever. You need to have something. Uh, and I didn't have that for a long time. I guess I was overworked and, you know, doing a lot of things at the same time. So 2017, me and my son, we did this father and son project that never saw the light of day. And that's really how it started. We wanted to do something, uh, a death metal album kind of, you know, by ourselves. And so we were just spitting out songs and riffs and stuff. And I think we had like 11 songs and then. I was going to either start to write lyrics to it or we move on. And we both said like, ah, fuck it. We've done this. Let's do something else. You know, <laughs> so we would never finish. But one of the, uh, there was actually two songs from there that actually made it to the hypocrisy album because that world was something my son wrote. And I was, I really loved that. The riffing, the rhythm, everything in it. And I said, Dude, man, you gotta let me use this in hypocrisy. And he said, sure, no problem. So I put uh, lyrics on it and put vocals on it, and it's a kick-ass song, I would say. <laughs> oh, man, and that that's how it proud. started. And that's really how it started when, when I'm starting to get into to write again for hypocrisy. Oh, mate, that must have been a, it must be a proud dad moment to, you know, have your son involved with this. And, you know, I mean, even after you guys started working on the album and you decided to stop, I mean, but to have it continue still, you know, even though you're not doing the project. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's not a stranger to it. He, he wrote half of, um, uh, Soldier of Fortune with me on uh, End of Disclosure when he was like 14 or 15. So he, he's not a rookie, even if he's young. <laughs> oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. So could you tell us a little bit about the writing and recording process for this album and, and how that worked around this time? Yeah, I mean, mainly it's me sitting 
banging out riffs and have some kind of vision of a song and put a drum machine together with it, you know, so I just have a guideline to go on and you finish the song and then it's like you're making a demo out of it, so to speak. And then you do the next song and then the next song and then 2018 during summer, uh, Horg and Michael uh, flew over and we were sitting in the studio for a week and they managed to come up with a couple of riffs each for the album as well. So I think one of the songs was Chemical Horror that all three of us has uh, a riff in there, so to speak, you know, so it was a mutual writing process for that song. And it, it turned out to be a good song to start a new chapter with Hypocrisy for, for the new album, for sure. Excellent. So, could you tell us a little bit about the, the, the lyrical content for this album and, and what sort of influenced you? I mean, because you, you're writing this album, I take it, pre-COVID and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just my point of view of things, to see how the system is fucked up for people <laughs> and people are blind to see it. And... uh all kinds of stuff, you know, how I see how is how human race was um, starting and things like that. I mean, you can see on the cover what I think it was an idea <laughs> I had a long time that, you know, we're, we're seated here on Earth and people are watching us, seeing how we grow up, how we get a little bit smarter and... Over the last 200 years, I think they gave us a little boost in our DNA to become a little bit smarter because the last 150 years, the de development of everything went super fast and it just keeps on going. So I think it's time to pull the plug on us soon before we reach too far out in the universe and fuck up <laughs> other places than just Earth. So, I, you know, <laughs> the contents of, of the cover is really about the coming back to collect, you know, and beat the fuck out of us for being stupid. <laughs> oh, look, it doesn't sound too far wrong. Uh, what is your take on the whole COVID things and, and some of the, the the things that governments are putting into place, like vaccine passports and all that sort of carry on, making vaccines mandatory? I mean, what's your thoughts on that sort of thing? I don't know what to think, to be honest. Sometimes I think yeah. it's like... A, a, a flashback of, of uh, World War Three in, in Germany, kind of. <laughs> you know, yep. and sometimes I think, oh, th maybe it's for the best, you know, to get get this epidemic away. So yep. it's, I don't know. It's it's with the, I see it in many different ways, not only in one or two ways. So we'll see what's going to happen, and let's see how many heads going to roll after this epidemic is over and see where it comes from and how and why it happened. If it's a depopulation thing from, from, uh, from, uh, people above the government and other things who actually controlling the world, like mm -hmm. big, big banks and families that goes back hundreds of years. Yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, and the, I mean, the thing that's getting is just this whole um, how would you repetrization of some of these some of these slogans that are being 
throwing around at the moment. You know, I mean, it's getting pretty scary. Yeah, um, it is down here. In New you know, this Sorry. is the point to, to scare people. It's always been like that. That's the most effective thing to get your will through, to scare people, to, to scare the shit out of people and get them to unite. And then you can rule them any way you want. It's the 101 on on fucking mm-hmm. tyranny or, or, or uh, dictatorship or whatever you want to call it, you know. It's compliance. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's been it's- proven. For hundreds of years, if you look in the history, how to get people together, scare the scare the shit out of them, so they have no choice but to go with whatever you get fed up with mm-hmm. or feeded with, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I'm down here in New Zealand, and we've just um, the, the latest statistics are that 75 percent of our population basically has been vaccinated. I'm not amongst that. Um, okay, I am. I choose not to at this point. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's amazing that, I mean, 75% of our country, we've had in total, I think, 27 deaths over a two year period. We have more deaths. We have 500 deaths a year from the flu. Yet we yeah. don't have a chat for that that's mandatory or anything. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, so we're getting sidetracked here, aren't we? I, uh, there's two two different stories on this, I I would think, in my world. One is, yeah, depopulation. The second one, a bad experiment got out of hand. So you pick and choose what you want. I have I have words for both. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Anyway, so we we need to get back to the um the album, which is what we're really meant to be here talking about and all that sort of thing. Um, November the twenty sixth, you guys have got the newest album coming out. Are you guys going to be able to get out there and do a release show or any sort of tour? I mean, how's it looking for you guys over there? Um, Europe is opening up a little bit. Uh, there's still, like in Germany, if you play, uh, the Bavaria area, that means uh, the the southern Germany, you have to sit at a table and watching uh, uh, a show. <coughs> if you move uh, north up, half of the, of the country up north, then there is no restriction in that kind of way. So, I mean, even if you go to di- uh, a country, there will be different uh, rules for different uh, areas in, in the country. So right now, it does not make sense to go out anywhere in Europe. America, I've seen they open up and I see bands like canceling a couple of days because someone in the crew or the band got the COVID and then they're back again playing again. And it's a big financial uh, risk for sure, yeah. you know. So we we had a, a European tour booked for October, November for over a year. And then in August, we said, let's not even announce it because we don't know. So the first thing we have is I have to go back from canceled uh, shows with pain in uh, February to go out and, and play a couple of tours. And then uh, end of April, I hope we can go out in uh, North America to start playing. And then summer, hopefully some festivals. And then September, October, November, you know, do a European tour, do uh, hopefully Australia, New Zealand and uh, Japan. That's what we hope, oh, but you know, it's so hard to say right now what the hell is going on. 
It's, 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 it's real crazy. Yeah. I mean, like only um, two months ago here in New Zealand, we were um, pretty much open. Yeah, we had yeah. shows for about the last year where everyone was going to gigs. And two months ago, it just got shut down. And we're opening up now-ish, but not internationally. Um, and it's just like, you know, what the hell? Big, yeah. big shows being cancelled and all that sort of thing. It makes it really difficult. I mean, how does that sort of thing I mean, affect you um, and the way you have to sort of deal with the industry and everything? I mean, a lot of people I see are doing stuff like uh, the, the, the streams and all that sort of carry on, but there's also things like video playthroughs. And I mean, how has it changed the way that you guys have to market yourself and how you guys have to be? Well, internet is your friend <laughs> or not, you know? So, I mean, there's so many possibilities to do things uh, from across the world to reach other people in in a heartbeat. So in one way or another, we, we're definitely going to remind people that we're around and uh, maybe we'll do some streams. I don't know. Uh, but the main focus is to try to build up tours in different areas of the world for the next year. Because this year, I think it's, it's too much already. We really don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's absolutely not. So, yeah. Well, it gives me some time to write some new uh, pain stuff, you know, in, in meanwhile, while sitting and waiting. <laughs> well, that's always fantastic news. Um, it sort of leads into the next question I was going to ask you, which is about how does the music come to you? Um, so, so how does, uh, how do you, uh, do you hear music? Do you see music? Cause some people see music as different colors and things like that. I mean, how does the music come to you and how do you do, differentiate between, um, oh, this is going to be a pain thing. This is going to be a hypocrisy thing. I mean, how does it work for you? I think it's a state of mind for me. I mean, first of all, I write pretty much everything in my head first i there's a melody there's a riff there's a rhythm coming up in my head and then i know something is coming <laughs> and yeah. uh, w- when you're working on on a certain band then i guess your mind sets in for that kind of uh, style or genre or whatever when you start writing so it's you know you just have to control your brain a little bit yeah. Excellent. So, um, coming back to this newest album and everything, you, you guys have released the uh, the first video so far, Chemical Whore. I mean, that that must have been fun to do and get that out there. Yeah, I mean, it's an old video. Uh, we did that in September 2019, and we just was was just sitting on it until the time was right. And uh, there will be another video coming out in uh, on Friday, actually. So it will. Um, yeah, enjoy that one, I would say. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. Well, we've only got a few minutes left with you, so I've got um, two last questions for you before we go. Um, what are, Other than doing what you're doing at the moment, have, have you got anything else that you're working on that you can tell us about? I mean, anything with pain um, and, and anything you're producing or anything like that? Uh, well, I had a... Um a project with a guy, a pretty famous uh, front person, a singer, that I actually uh, wrote a whole album with. And 
we decided in the end now that he will take it to his solo project because I don't want to do another Lindemann thing, you know, with a, with a front person and then uh, have to go out and tour and commit to it. I, I just wanted to produce and write music for someone else. So there will be another album coming out with uh, uh, with this project, I hope, in January, February. Uh, which I've been a part of. So uh, it's pretty exciting. I'm really uh, curious to see what people think with this one. (laughs) Uh, But also, like I said, I I can write some some paint stuff. Meanwhile, while we're sitting and waiting for everything, you know, it's always good to have songs on the shelf waiting to get out. So let's see what happens. I I really, it's really hard to, predict i don't have a crystal ball really to be honest. Yeah. i know yeah. i know in in february uh pain is going out on tour because this tour was uh, postponed here so we need to keep our promises and go to uh the people that were supposed to see it a couple of years ago so we'll start with that next year and then uh, go into north america during spring oh my that's absolutely brilliant Okay, we've got one last question for you before we let you go. And that is, uh, mm-hmm. words of advice for young musicians. Uh, I would say follow your heart when you write music or when you perform, you know. Do what you would like to hear, not what other people would like to hear, what's in, uh, what, what is trendy or not. You stick to your guns and I hope, hopefully, you know, it will come around. Uh, I mean, with, with with hypocrisy, we started with death metal when it was going down, but we stuck to our guns, and and it's it's been a good journey, put it that way. And I I rather trust myself, my instinct, and my heart, and also ask friends what they think about music and stuff. And what you're playing, you have to ask yourself: Would I buy this? Would I like it? You know, that's the first thing you have to convince yourself that things are good that you're doing. Yeah, man. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant advice. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it, mate. It's an yeah. absolutely killer album. Thank you very much. And I really hope that we, for the first time, can come to uh, New Zealand soon. Oh, mate, we would absolutely love to have you down here, mate. You're more than welcome any time. Just take along after the Australian tour. Just add us on. We'd love to have you Exactly. Down. And then just keep them going north to Japan or whatever. I mean... Actually, uh, now we have some good context in in, in uh, Australia that brought us there for the first time in 2019 or 18. I can't remember, but that was the first time. So uh, we're still in good contact and friends. So let's see when things opening up, we'll be the first one to jump on. Terminate the human horde We'll try
this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and our latest new releases brought to you by NPR Battle Two People's Radio. G'day and welcome to Battle Two Metal Metalheads Radio and it's not working.
Dong. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metal Heads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to chat with Bill Steer from the band Carcass. We also have a chat with Booger Beasley from the band Head Like a Hole. And we'll finish off with some other Kiwi metal goodness. Uh, first off though, we're going to kick off um, with a new track from Booger Beasley and the boys. We're going to have the latest track from them. We're going to have the track Demons. Um, and then we'll get straight into the interview with Booger. Enjoy. <laughs> Demons, demons. 
strange demons set them free show us who you dare be come on then try getting me but your demons demons won't let you be G'day, we're talking with Booger Beasley from the mighty Head Like a Hole. They've just released their newest single today, Demons. How are you going today, Booger? Good, Terry, good. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, so, you've gone into the studio and um, recorded Demons, and have you, have you recorded anything else while you were there? Yeah, we did too. We did Demons in this other track called Goliath. Uh, and, and that's it, really. <laughs> Excellent. We could do a record, but two's a good, you know, dip your feet in the water. Excellent. So, could you tell us a little bit about this track, Demons, um, uh, lyrical content, etc.? Okay. So, when we came up with Demons, it was just something that Andrew Ash and the guitar riff that he was just mucking around with, you know, it wasn't anything great, you know. Um, but I, I liked it, you know, and I. But it just sort of came into my head this these lyrics, and I thought to myself, where did those lyrics come from? They're not mine. And I realised that there's this woman called Bridget Power, like a head like a whole fan, and she had sent me a few poems just out of the blue randomly, you know, like, hey dude, thought you might want to read these, and I went through them, and you know, nothing really stood out for me. I'm not a I'm not into poetry, um, even though I'm a lyricist, I don't actually read books that often, which sounds sort of mental. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a visual person. Fair um, enough. And anyway, I was like, just just hold hold the guitar there for a minute. I'm just going to go through my emails. And I went through the emails and I found this poem from Bridget, and it was called Demons, and it just fit the guitar perfectly, you know. And it was like a, yeah, it was just one of those moments. And I thought, shall I use them? And um, so I said, you know, the, the lyrics are from a fan. And to be fair, Andrew wasn't really into it to begin with. But, you know, they fit and they sound rad, you know. So that's how I, mean, I just wrote the chorus myself. But all the other words belong to this woman, Bridget Pound. Oh, mate, that's absolutely awesome, mate. I mean, I bet she was chuffed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's rad that be able to say that a fan has written basically a song and it was from a period of her life where she had a very difficult um, breakup uh, quite a full on time in her life and she wrote that at that point so then to hear it put over music she was totally blown away yeah oh man I mean yeah you, I mean, as a writer she would just be blown away to, uh, to have even somebody to read it and, and sort of say, oh, yeah, this is cool, but let alone put it to music. You know what I mean, dude, that's yeah. got to be you know, something really, really special. Oh, mate, that, that, that's cool, man. And and so um, going in and, and writing and, re- uh, sorry, the recording and everything, I mean, what was it like getting back into the studio because it's been a fair while for you guys? Oh, yeah, it's been like four years. I mean, that's the last time we recorded was End of Life. That was at the Deep of Sound as well, but it this time around, it was with Neil Baldock, and he's the engineer that did Halal 4, Are You Gonna Kiss It or Shoot It? 
And uh, it was good, you know, basically tying in with him again because he's, he's a bloody awesome engineer, you know. When you've got someone that knows how to record and mix a band to the point where mastering's basically... It's just the icing on the cake, you know. Just a few little tweaks. It's basically done. Uh, it was it was awesome. And, um, I mean, ultimately I wanted to go into Roundhead because I'd been there doing the Reservoir Dogs uh, Pulp Fiction gig, you know, of Liberty Stage. And being in Roundhead was was super cool. And I thought, you know, just imagine if we went to Roundhead and recorded, it'd be a great room for the drums and that. But in the end, it boiled down to we don't really know the people that are going to be twiddling the knobs. And we were confident that we could get a good sound from the depot with Neil, you know. And it's always rad going into the studio you know, when you haven't done it for years, it's like, what, what, what are we doing? You know, we need more music. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it. I mean, there'll be a lot of people that'll be excited by this new track and be uh, screaming out for more blood, so to speak. Yeah, I reckon. I mean, if I'd be wrapped to say that we have an album, but as yet we don't. It's just it's a difficult period, you know, along with the COVID and stuff like that I mean that's made it extremely difficult but we've sort of struggled with you know just getting everyone together at the right time and you know everyone being in the right frame of mind to to get music written because at this point in our career I just don't want to release anything that's rubbish you know yeah yeah oh well that's it I mean you know it's important to have that uh, that credibility and all that sort of integrity, etc. When it comes to your music, um, you, you say you've got another track um, recorded. Are you going to be releasing that at some stage soon, or um, is that just going to be waiting yeah, in the wings? Yeah, I think we're going to follow up Demons pretty swift, day eh, with, yep. with the song Goliath. I just we were going to release it. You know, everyone releases singles off an album, and we don't have an album. So we thought, hey, let's release a double, <laughs> a single, and we'll just call it a double and release them both at the same time. But from from a radio, you know, from a radio perspective, and possibly you know, people that manage your digital stuff, I just had advice. They were like, look, you know, this is gonna complicate things you're pitching two songs at the same time to a radio station or or throwing it out to the punters at the same time it, it could be a little bit confusing and why don't you just do one sort of one after the other bang bang sort of within two weeks so so we're going to do that you know and probably release it on vinyl as a 45 you know one song on each side oh um, mate that'd be killer it would be killer but Unfortunately, the pressing plant in Auckland, their 45 machine is down, and they don't know when it will be fixed. I think it's something to do with parts, and they can't get the parts in due to COVID. So I might have to go overseas, you know, go over to Melbourne and get someone to do it there, but you do it on vinyl, it'll be good. Oh, hell yeah, mate. Oh, you all love um, vinyl. It seems to be the um, the flavour of the month, so to speak, or yeah. flavour of the year. Yeah. Well, but... everyone's running you know, 33s, eh? You know, full LP. Um, you don't see little 45s much anymore. No, that's it, eh? I mean, it's cool to get your hands on one. <laughs> it's quite a treat. Oh, yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to have a listen to the um, 
first track, Demons, a few weeks back, and I also got to listen to Goliath. So I am privy to these both songs. And I think um, the, the um, when I first talked to you about it, I, I was sort of like... Uh, sort of mentioned that I thought it was quite different, the Goliath track. And um, I, I've sort of been struggling with it for a while and trying to work out what was going on there. And I think it came down to the fact that um, Demons is such a strong strong song. And I think it was just that contrast that blew my mind. But the thing is that Goliath has grown on me so much since then. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and, and that's it. I mean, in itself, it's, it's a very, very cool track as well. Um, I think it was just for... I was foreshadowed by Demons. I mean, dude, Demons is such a killer track, man. That guitar, when it uh, slides, that that riff, like you talked about, that Andrew's done, it's, it's just, oh, mate, it's golden, mate. It is absolutely solo, golden. Yeah, the solo is really simple, and it's like, you know, you might, might say, why didn't he play, like, a more extensive solo with better, you know, work on the fretboard and stuff like that, but... When I first heard it on the demo, I really dug it because it was really just simple notes, methodical, and it was just like a wicked melody. Yeah. It really does suit the song, and he sort of wrote it for the song. It's it's a funny one, eh, because that song's slow all the way through. Um, We were sort of a bit worried that maybe it was going to be too slow, so I don't know, time will tell, I suppose. Uh, I've seen some of the reaction on Facebook this morning already, and, and they seem to be loving it. And I'd have to agree. I mean, I think it's up there as one of your better songs that you well, that you guys have done. It's um, That's yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's um, your vocals have you know, it's like wine, mate. You've aged, um, you know, <laughs> extremely well. Yeah, like a fine wine, mate. I mean, dude, it's really impressive. I mean, fifty years old, dude. I mean, you're celebrating big there, and you know, with yeah, with an absolute. When I did that vocal, we did it through this great microphone. Um, and, I mean, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so whenever I do things, people say, yeah, it sounds great, just go with that. I'm like, no, I could do it better. So when we went back up to mix, I actually tried to do another vocal, see if I could capture a different type of vocal. But the microphone wasn't there anymore. It was gone. I don't know where it had gone. So I started singing, that just didn't sound as powerful as, as that original vocal, because most of the time when we do stuff like that, it's always the first couple of vocal takes that I do when I capture the track I need. Everything after that is just bullshit, because you're trying too hard, you know? Yeah. And the thing with those two songs, about you asked, you asked me about recording, is that we did it as a band, you know, like like it should be done. We record live together playing the song. And, uh, yeah, we recorded it because a lot of bands these days don't do that. They don't play as a band. They play to a click track. The drummer will play to a click track without the rest of the band members. He's done his job and then the bass player steps in you know, then the guitarist steps in, you put the vocals on, and it's done. It's, it's, I just think that's fucking weird. Oh, the producer will even come in and change all your drum tracks as well. Things like that, yeah. Oh, that's exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, can, I get why people do that, so they can get the perfect record. But it, where's the fun in that, you know? 
Yeah, I think you're right there. I mean, a band is about the uh, being, you know, a certain amount of people together, um, doing things together. It's it's about being a group, and doing it like that is just, um, you know, it's, you're not getting any of that connection. Uh, you don't get any of that vibe, um, and I think you lose a lot of that essence. And um, yeah, it is really important. I mean, it's cool to hear that you guys are still doing that because it's like. Uh, a lot of bands don't, like you say, and, and it, it, it really you miss that energy and you miss that vibe, and uh, that vibe is really captured on this this newest song, man. You really get that buzz and you get an energy from the song. I mean, that's what I love it's, about it. It's not perfect, you know. You listen to it, and I can hear little bits here and there that I'm like, you know what, we could have taken that out, we could have replaced that, the vocal could have been presented in a better way in certain areas, and maybe louder here and there but you know we just left it you know the performance it is what it is and it was enough you know well that's it you want to get that raw energy and I, I think yeah. you guys have definitely captured that and um, whether there is this mistake or not and, I mean you you want to get it as for it being real and that's what people are yeah. wanting right now real music eh? yeah the, the, the vocal stuff on Goliath that was highly experimental actually because I'd actually tried <laughs> three or four or even five different vocal uh, perceptions of the song um, and the band well not everyone liked them so I was told you know to try do what Nigel does on his demo so that style of vocal which is sort of like a rap <laughs> like a talky rap thing which sounds mental yeah um that was actually Nigel's idea, so I just went with it, saying, you know, if it backfires, <laughs> um, you know, because it might freak people out. It's like Doom Rat. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I must say, I mean, when I first heard it, I was taken back. But like I say, I think a lot of that was just that it was overshadowed by the fact that I was... I mean, Demons is just such an epic song. And um, it, it's like, um, I guess smoking a joint after having um a big puff on the pipe <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um when we when we right uh when we got to the end of the demons you know like there were sort of moans about it's too long but when you're writing it and you play it you don't realize that it's going to be six minutes long yeah so that was an issue because usually you do songs that are three minutes three and a half minutes um this one doesn't to me it doesn't feel that long but it is long yeah i think you're right there i don't think it's a long track and it's you know um to get that whole vibe and to get the whole thing going you know it has that slow start and it builds up nicely um and then brings it down again so i think yeah i mean dude it's the, the song is the song yeah, you know, it's not about how many minutes it is or anything like that, or whether you're tuned fancy or anything like that, yeah. or you put it through so many different processes that I'm cool because I got it through fifty different processes or and killed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Sort of a, it's a story that that song. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's absolutely killer, mate. Um, very cool. So, um, any um chances you guys getting out on the road or anything? I mean, you hopefully got a few gigs coming up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a shame about 
you know, the COVID restrictions and it's sort of put, put the kibosh on the Rock 2000 that we we're going to play. There's a tattoo festival coming up in New Plymouth in November. We're doing that, but we sort of wanted to get out and play a few shows on the back of this, but that would be Auckland Wellington, so we really just have to wait until COVID's settled and then we'll get out there, you know? Yeah. Oh, mate, well, the fans are dead keen to see you, so, yeah, it'd be very, very cool to have a head like a whole show. It's been a few few moons yeah. between drinks. It's been a while, mate. I want to get back out there before I'm in a Zimmer frame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it, dude. You, you've crossed that 50 mark, mate. <laughs> I know. 50 and creepy. Here we come. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, well, um, we haven't got long, much longer with you. I just want to touch base on um, a, a side gig you have going, um, tattooing. And you know, I've been very lucky, and you've uh, done a hell of a lot of tattooing on me. Um, and it's, it's an absolutely pleasure to have that. Um, how much fun is that? And you know, how's that going for you, dude? Tattooing's just—it's great, you know. It, it, it is what it's cracked up to be. People look like they're having a great time being a tattoo artist. And it is—it is cool when you've got a lot of work coming in the door. You know, it just. It's one of those things, you know, you're not going to a nine-to-five job, really. It's something that you really love doing. And it's just cool tattooing people, talking shit and, you know, drawing on people's skin. It's fucking awesome. Well, that's right. I mean, a, a lot of people probably wouldn't be aware that, I mean, as a young father, you went through art school and all that sort of thing. So, you know, this is just another expression of your uh, artistry, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be like a New Zealand painter, when I was younger and when I left art school I did try to continue on with that but it sort of fell to the wayside you know and then I got into music and I just forgot about art but I've always done things on the side you know we always had control of the head like a whole artwork we'd always do it in house ourselves we'd hardly ever get anyone to design and stuff for us so after all those years to go back to you know being an artist is, is pretty cool. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. Well, for those that are wanting to get a get a hold of it, then jump on. What's your website or your Facebook for these uh, people booking in to yeah. get some head like a whole tattoos? Yeah, just, it's Booger Beasley on Facebook or, or you know, Instagram Booger underscore Beasley underscore tattoo, and uh, you just hit me up there. And so, and so, where are you based? You're Wellingtonish based. Yeah, around Maddie on the Capri Coast. Oh, mate, absolutely killer. So people out there, if you want to get uh, tattooed by the mighty Booger Beasley, get in there, mate, because he does a killer job, man. Well, hey, man, I mean, I think we're up to about almost 20 tattoos that you've done on me so far in the last three to four years, uh, Booger. Yeah, 20's not enough. No, it's not enough. I need to get back in there very, very (laughs) soon. Absolutely love getting work done by you. Absolute pleasure, mate. Yeah, very, very cool. All sorts of things. And, and if you want to check out his, his art, you can look all over the Facebook page. And I think he's got an Instagram as well. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Booger Beasley tattoo. Excellent. Oh, thank you so much for your time today, Booger. We'll better let you go. Yeah, 